Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. And I am so thrilled about today's show. Uh, we've got two amazing people uh, coming to the show to talk about what their passion is, to talk about what they've accomplished. You've heard me say many, many times that this is the year of action. This is the year to get that book that's in your head written. This is the year to uh, get your body in shape. This is the year to get your health in order. And this is the time for us to reach out to other people around the world and share our gifts. I have two people today that are doing just that. Uh, my first guest for the first half hour of the show is an individual that's written a book, and the book is called Vaccinated. Paul Offit is joining me today. He is the head of division of infectious diseases at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and a professor at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School. He developed a vaccine uh, for rotavirus, and he is here to talk to us about vaccinations. He's here to talk to, to us about the breakthrough in medicine, and he's here to remind us of the journey that we have gone in the medical profession. Paul, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you. I, I want to ask you this question. I mean, I could go on and on and talk about all of you that you've accomplished and, and the book that you've brought out, but I've got to ask you this question. You have taken the, the road of, of, of medicine, of healing, and, and of research, and, and one of the things that uh, I'm interested in is knowing what some of the challenges are that you faced and had to overcome to bring you to this very moment. Well, it's I guess what uh, I'm, I'm, as you said, a, a through professor of pediatrics at Penn's Medical School. My, my what I am primarily is a researcher, so I'm a virologist and immunologist, and, and worked on and was a co-inventor of the vaccine to prevent uh, rotavirus, which is a cause of fever and vomiting and, and dehydration in children. Causes a lot of suffering in the United States. About 70,000 children get hospitalized every year in our country with dehydration secondary to this virus. But in the world, it's a killer. It kills about 2,000 children every day in the developing world. And so we were interested now what's been 27 years ago in trying to do the research that was necessary, I think, to make this vaccine. And, and I, I guess what, what I learned in all that was that, that, you know, that, that what we did in our laboratory was we constructed these strains kind of based on, you know, what we had learned about what part of the virus makes you sick and what part of the virus you know, call, induces an immune response that protects you. And, and I, I had always thought that would be the hard part. You know, the, 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 when we had our eureka moment and we were able to, to, to construct strains that we thought could be vaccines that could prevent all this suffering and death, we thought that was the bulk of it, but it really wasn't. I think in the world of research and development, what I learned is that the, the, the R is little and the D is big. The hard part was, you know, convincing a pharmaceutical company to, to spend what ended up being about a billion dollars to develop it. That's got to be a, a daily challenge, though, in the work that you do. Uh, there's got to be, you know, such competition to get the best, uh, best solution, best cure to the table, and it must require an incredible amount of perseverance by yourself and your team. Yeah, and the, the competition, interestingly, is not with other vaccines because vaccines are just not a very big you know, profitable center for, mm -hmm. for these companies. It, it's only it's something that's given once or a few times in a lifetime, never can compete with, you know, with lipid-lowering agents or, or you know, obesity medicines or d drugs you're going to take every day. You other, those other drugs. So I think that was, that was the challenge, you're right. Well, and that's what we're going to talk about, Mel. We're going to talk about the book, Vaccinated, when we come back. 
and uh, after this very, very short break, break, and we're going to be asking the questions, where have we gone since that very first vaccine emerged on the market? Where have we come from and where are we going? Stay tuned. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. We'll be right back. Sometimes your favorite shows on HealthyLife.net are on when you're busy. Maybe you're working, sleeping, exercising, eating, or meditating and forget to listen to your favorite Healthy Life host. Now there's a solution. You can record or schedule a recording time of any of our radio shows direct to your PC. Then listen on your PC to the show anytime or convert the file to an MP3 and download it to your iPod or MP3 player. The iSound WMA MP3 Recorder 6.57 software offered by Abyss Media is easy to use and affordable for only $29.95. Plus, if you have any problems, you can receive free email technical support. Speaking of technical information and general info on how to order the iSound WMA MP3 Recorder 6.57 software, you can get all of that information right on our website at HealthyLife.net. You don't have to miss your favorite show ever again. Plus, you can download your favorite show and take it anywhere you want. Order the iSound WMA MP3 recorder right from HealthyLife.net today. In the early hours after the tsunami, it was ham radio that was on the air, saving lives. When Florida was ripped by hurricanes, the hams were there. In the critical moments after the attack of 9-11, it was the hams who coordinated emergency messages. When disasters strike, the hams are ready. Ham radio works, and other communications don't. To learn how you can become a ham radio operator, call the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, at 1-800-326-3942. HealthyLife.net, the positive radio network. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. Uh, my guest today is Paul Uffett, and he has written a book called Vaccinated. Paul, I've got to ask you, why did you write this book? Why now? I guess what spurred me to write the book was that the person I'm writing about, who, who is a man who I, I consider to be the greatest scientist of the 20th century, um, was dying. He, he, uh, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. He was given six months to live. This was in October of 2004. And I thought, you know, all of these stories about his inventions are going to be dying with him. And, and that's sitting down with him and interviewing him for what amounted to about 70 hours really formed the, the core of this book. So as you started to capture this story and you got to sit in the presence of, of, of someone incredible, really, in the, in the medical profession, uh, what was going through your mind? Well, that I was in the presence of greatness. I mean, when you think about it, since Jonas Salk and Albert Sabin uh, uh, invented their polio vaccines in the mid-1950s, um, I think virtually all of the vaccines that were developed really between 1955 and, and, and the, the, the mid to, to late 1980s um, were really largely developed by one man. I mean, of the 14 vaccines, to put it in perspective, of the 14 vaccines that, t- that children typically receive today, nine of them were made by this man primary research and development by this man, Maurice Hilleman. And, you know, there's, there's, it's a, there's a lot of rough-and-tumble stories in, in vaccine development that, that, was, that, was sort of, that are behind-the-scenes stories that I thought were, were interesting and, and, and could be instructive, and, and that was what drove me to, to do this book. Did you, did you find out anything that it sort of shocked you and surprised you? 
Yes. Or was it fact, pretty much you'd seen it all? No, not at In fact, this book now, you know, which has been read by a number of people who are in the vaccine world, I mean, you know, for whom vaccines is their life, I, I don't think a single one of them have, have read this book and not said, you know, I didn't know half of what was in this book. And that was certainly true with me. I, you know, the, I'll give you one story is that, you know, the hepatitis B vaccine, which right. is a vaccine that's been around really since the, the, the early 1980s, you know, was originally made and was, was on the market for five years with a starting material that was human blood. And so what Dr. Hillman did is he, he needed a source of sort of this protein that sits on the surface of the virus. He couldn't grow the virus in, in, in cells, so he actually had to go to infected people. So he went to a homosexual man in New York City in the late 1970s. He took their blood, he purified it, and purified this one protein. But, you know, this was homosexual men in the late 1970s in New York. New York, that blood was also contaminated with another virus, although Dr. Hillman didn't know it, and that was human immunodeficiency virus, the virus that causes AIDS. But because of the way that he treated that blood, he rendered it so that nothing could have survived. No viral or bacterial or fungal or parasitic agent could have survived. But that blood was contaminated with HIV, and it had to have been. And uh, that was just one, of, I think, of the many stories in this that really surprised me. What would you say the contribution, if you had to sum up the contribution of Marie Silliman, if, if you had to sum up the contribution that was made, how would you sum that up? Well, he, his his vaccines save about eight million lives a year. He, he's and he's also the, he's also the person who was the first to purify and characterize interferon, which also is used in you know the treatment of certain chronic infections and, and, and cancers. He's the only person ever to have successfully predicted an influenza pandemic and to make vaccine in advance of its coming. He, he's and he's made predictions about whether he thinks bird flu is going to cause a pandemic, which I've also put in this book. And he's really the first to make a cancer vaccine. You know, we, we think that the hepatitis B vaccine was the first cancer vaccine because hepatitis B can cause liver cancer. And we think that the human papillomavirus vaccine, the one that just came out last year, is the second cancer vaccine because it's the vaccine that prevents, you know, a virus that causes cervical cancer. But the first cancer vaccine was actually that was ever actually made and distributed, prevented cancer in chickens, and really revolutionized the poultry industry. And, and that was Dr. Hillman. Well, I think there is so much that we, we don't know that the, the average person doesn't know. Um, you know, this book is selling like hotcakes. And I, the, the reason I say that is I, I think it sold close to 100,000 copies um, so far. No, that, that's the first book that I wrote. Was that's the first called, book that, that you wrote? The first book, I mean. This, this second book that you, you've written, well, let, let's talk about the first book for a minute. Because I think, you know, I want to build a story here. When, when you put the first book together and, and now this book together and the fact that it is selling so many copies, what is in demand here? What are people looking for? Well, I think people are interested in the subject of vaccines. Uh, it's, it's, although I think we generally take vaccines for granted for the most part these days because we don't see the diseases that vaccines prevent. I think people are certainly concerned about, about their safety, and I think people also are interested in sort of looking behind the scenes as to, you know, how they're made and how they work. I think there is just a general scientific curiosity, which is really refreshing. It's not something one would have predicted. Recently, uh, there has been some controversy around vaccines and being vaccinated, everything from looking at uh, vaccines causing um, autism to other a latent illnesses that show up in people's lives. Where does that where does that conversation where does that controversy stem from? I think it stems from the fact that vaccines are a victim of their own success. You know, for the most part, people today 
don't see the diseases that vaccine prevent. And I think, and I think we're often compelled by our fears. And frankly, most young mothers not only don't see these diseases today, they didn't even see these diseases growing up. So I think vaccines for them becomes a matter of faith, you know, faith in pharmaceutical companies, faith in the federal government that advises about vaccines, faith in doctors that give the vaccines. And I think there's at some level an erosion of faith. And so we tend to focus on, on we wonder whether or not, you know, vaccines, now that we don't see anything else, uh, the diseases they're preventing, are, are they actually causing things that we're appreciating more, like, you know, autism or asthma or allergies or diabetes or multiple sclerosis or whatever? And I think, I think it's reasonable to ask that question. Uh, I think you should be skeptical, frankly, about anything you put into your body. But those questions, for the most part, have been asked and answered. I mean, vaccines don't cause autism. They don't cause these chronic diseases. People have, have looked hard at that, and, um, and vaccines are certainly not to blame. And what, what do you see is the frontier for us right now? I mean, what do you see on the table right now in, in terms of vaccines? Is there, you know, when we think about being vaccinated, in your mind, Paul, is there anything that we cannot be vaccinated from? Well, I think the big challenges are, you know, you'd like to think that we, there are still infectious disease certainly out there that you'd like to be able to prevent with vaccines. Or mm-hmm. the one that comes to mind, obviously, is human immunodeficiency virus, the virus that causes AIDS. There's another virus called respiratory syncytial virus, you know, which still kills about three or 4,000 children in the year, per year in the United States, and, you know, and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of children worldwide. That hasn't been an easy vaccine to make either, much as HIV hasn't been easy. You'd like to think that you'd be able to make vaccines against things that aren't infectious diseases, vaccines against cancer, vaccines against diabetes, vaccines against multiple sclerosis. I think that's all possible. And so I think the last century, frankly, if you look from 1900 to 2000, saw a 30-year increase in the lifespan of Americans. And that was almost solely due to, to the vaccines that we introduced. I'd like to think of that in this next century, we can also see uh, healthier and, and longer lives, again, by preventing the kinds of things that, that I just talked about that really aren't infectious diseases. You know, uh, Paul, when you look back on your career, and, you, and let's just take a, take a walk back in time for a minute, if we could. When you look back and look at the place where you started, where you began, did you have any sense that you would be here having this conversation today? No. You know, I think as anybody that does science would, would know, it, it, when, you, when you start to do science, and I started to do science as a scientist in my, say, after graduating from, from medical school and then doing scientific training here at the Wistar Institute in Philadelphia and then later at Stanford, um, you know, you just you love the process of science. Uh, you, you know, it's like this big thousand-piece puzzle, and there's only four pieces in it, and you want to try and figure it out. And I don't think really at any point in my life that I say, you know, I, I want to, you know, spend the next 25 to 30 years and try and make this vaccine against rotavirus. I think, you know, you just you love the process. You feel honored to be able to be part of the process. You're largely humbled by the process because science is very humbling. I mean, nature gives itself up grudgingly and slowly. Um, and I just think, you know, it's just things emerge. I think, there, you know, that, that, you know, that we would be fortunate enough to have co-invented the rotavirus vaccine here at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia was, I think, fortuitous. And, you know, that I would have had the privilege of actually knowing Dr. Hilleman and learning about his work, I think, was, again, fortuitous. But I, I think it's just, I've just been really lucky. Well, i, I got to tell you, you, you may, may consider yourself lucky, but I'll tell you, I consider you pretty busy. When I go and look at all the books that you've written in and I take a look at what your journey is about in terms of getting information out in the world, in addition to you actually have a full-time medical 
job. You're a leader in the medical profession. <laughs> and so when I, when I look at all of the books that you've written, when I look at some of the things that, that you've done, the question for me is, what is your power message, Paul? And what I mean by that is, what do you hope people to get? What do you want them to know that is so important to you that you've got such a, a large voice, a, a strong voice in this community? Well, I, I think that, that um, you have to trust yourself and, and, and that, you know, if you've done your homework, you've done your reading, really educated yourself about a particular topic, that you then trust your instincts at being able to put it together and formulate some sort of, you know, reasonable understanding of it, even, even if it goes against the cultural norm or even if it evokes some anger. I mean, that, that I, for example, stand up and say that vaccines don't, you know, don't cause autism because based on the, you know, now 15 to 20 studies that show that they don't, you know, they don't. But, you know, that evokes a lot of anger. There, there are people out there who, uh, who believe it to be true, who feel that when you say that, you're just sort of, you know, just sort of serving as a shill for the pharmaceutical industry or for the government. And you get a lot of, a lot of hate. I mean, you really do. You know, I get a lot of angry emails and, 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 and regular mail and sometimes angry calls to my home and office. But you just have to hang in there. You know, you have to, you have to believe that what you're doing is, is right and believe that in the long run, educating about science and how it works ultimately serves society and ultimately protects children who, who, who are going to be harmed by when politics trumps science. And, and you just have to hang in there, even if it's not... Uh, even if it's not necessarily politically correct. How, in your opinion, Paul, how do you see the interaction between um, science and politics? Well, it's not a good that's, one. That's a little statistical question, but you could take it beyond that. <laughs> no, I, think, I think whenever science is politicized, it's bad. I, and, you know, you can go back to Galileo's time when he believed correctly that the earth revolved around the sun. But, you know, the papacy at the time believed that he was wrong. They believed that the, the earth was the center of the universe, and they forced him to recant his, his findings, you know, which he did, and did it in front of this papal tri tribunal. But, but ultimately, as he was walking out, he said, you know, but it still moves referring to the earth, and he was right. And, and I feel that that's also true today. You know, it, it, it's very, I mean, watching, for example, discussions about stem cell research, which I think it, it's, they, they become, the volume gets turned up so high, and, and I think things become so political that it's, it's hard to watch, actually, on both sides. I think sometimes scientists overpromise, and I think certainly, that, that, you know, when it becomes a, a religious issue, you know, I just think it becomes, you know, it, it's, there can be no disagreement or discussion, and it, it's... Uh, it's hard to watch. I think politicizing, and I think when congressmen, for example, you know, Dan Burton or Dave Weldon stand up and say, you know, vaccines cause autism, it's not true. And, and they do it, I think, to gain the light of the media. And it, it's, uh, it's hard to watch. Well, you know, Paul, I, I, I love this conversation because this is a conversation that we've debated on air back and forth from time to time. And, and it is a conversation where people are just hungry for the truth and information. And you certainly are shining some light uh, today for us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be back with uh, Paul Offit. We've been talking about his latest book, Vaccinated, One Man's Quest to Defeat the World's Deadliest Diseases, right here on the Dr. Pat Show. This book is available everywhere, including Amazon. Uh, we'll be right back with uh, Paul in a few minutes. Uh, stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the next layer. What is the next layer? What do we need to know? How does science, politics, and religion... Health tip of the day brought to you by Essentia Water. 
How much essential water should you drink on a daily basis? The rule of thumb is to drink half your body weight in ounces daily. If you weigh 100 pounds, drink 50 ounces or 1.5 liters daily. Your level of activity, environment, diet, and stress levels should be taken into consideration, as all of these determine your water intake requirement. Increase your intake of essential water if you've increased your physical activity, are exposed to increased temperatures, or experiencing any physical stress, such as colds or infections. If you're feeling thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Don't wait. Start a healthy water drinking program now. Your body needs it. This health tip of the day is brought to you by Essentia Water, the ultimate drinking water for your body. Essentia Water. Ask for it. Is your soul searching for more? Are you ready for greater spiritual enlightenment? CMS, the College of Metaphysical Studies, is the planet's largest source of metaphysical and spiritual growth. CMS, the leader in the field of metaphysical studies, is dedicated to the service of humankind, offering distance learning courses and free resources. Follow your spiritual path and join the great adventure at cms.edu. That's cms.edu. Can a credit card be used for positive change? The Enlightenment Card has and is established with over 1,100 socially conscious reward partners. Whether your points are redeemed to support a charity, to further personal growth in a workshop, retreat, or yoga class, or if you use points to buy organic products, now you can rest assured knowing your monies and reward points are going to support those companies who are working to make a difference in the world. Join the community at EnlightenmentCard.com. We are in a new age of discovery. In the past, science strived to understand physical matter. In the new age, science will strive to understand the energy that creates matter. In the past, all dietary supplements nourished the body. In the new age, dietary supplements will focus on the energy that creates your body. The future is here. Learn about our natural monatomic minerals from Harmonic Enterprises. Move with us to the new age. Call us at 888-667-4300 or visit HarmonicEnterprises.com. Laptops, digital cameras, I need batteries. DuracellDirect.com always has special offers. Cellular telephones, cordless phones, I need batteries and adapters. DuracellDirect.com always has discounts and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Camcorders, I need batteries, adapters, and chargers. DuracellDirect.com, satisfaction guaranteed, one-year warranty, and free shipping. DuracellDirect.com? DuracellDirect.com for all your battery, adapter, and charger needs. Find them on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. DuracellDirect.com. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. If you want to find out more about us and some of the really great things we're doing to get the message out there, go to my website, www.drpatshow.com, drpatshow.com. Check it out. You'll be able to find more information about the book that we're talking about right now and my guest today, Paul Offit. Paul, I, I, we're talking about vaccinated, one man's quest to defeat the world's deadliest diseases. And you and I were talking about the fact that Maurice uh, Hillman's life uh, was sort of left very low-key, kind of invisible, but yet this is what, uh, this is an individual you consider one of the great heroes of our time. So how do you, how does this play out where someone that has achieved so much 
can be hardly recognized, not only in the medical community, but in the world in general. Well, I think a few reasons. One is I think it's the rare scientist that is seen by the public as a hero. We rather, you know, sort of fawn over sports celebrities and, and movie stars and, and occasionally novelists but, but and politicians, but not, not uh, our heroes generally don't come from science. I think it's the rare person who could frankly name more than five scientists. Um, and, and also Dr. Hilleman worked for a company, and, you know, he worked for a pharmaceutical company, and, and that, uh, you know, I think, you know, people are upset generally about healthcare. I think they're very upset about pharmaceutical companies, and in many ways, reasonably so. And then they, you know, they, so pharmaceutical companies, as it plays out in current culture, are often vilified and scandalized. That makes us feel better. I, but so we don't like to see our heroes come from industry. We'd much rather have them come from academia. Well, you know, Paul, you've taken a story, and it's one of many stories that you've taken out into the world. And we talked about what your journey was like. And the fact that you're, you're actually out in the world talking about something right now that's very, very controversial. Very controversial. And yet at the same time, we're looking at the call and the need from the mass amount of people out there saying, you know, we've got to have more medicine. We've got to have more vaccinations. We've got to have, you know, more things that are preventing things. And vaccination fits into the realm of preventative medicine. And it's kind of interesting to see a shift in the field where more alternative approaches are showing up, which come and talk to preventative. What do you think the current crisis is today in the medical profession? Well, I, I think actually it's just that, that, that we, if you look at where we spend our money in healthcare, and it's a huge industry. I mean, it's a $2.7 trillion a year industry. It's like 15% of our gross domestic product. We spend a lot of money on healthcare, but only about 3% of it is spent in the area of prevention. We'd much rather treat something than prevent something, and obviously prevention is the much better route. So, and so, you know, vaccines are, are, you know, generally kind of fall a little bit through the cracks. You know, we had 27 companies that made vaccines in 1955. 18 made them by 1980. Today, really, four big companies make vaccines. So vaccines are not something that, get, that gets a lot of play. They're never going to be a big sort of money maker, and so, you know, and so not a lot of companies make them. And, and people take, take them for granted. You know, I mean, I gave my children, who are now 14 and 12, all their vaccines, but I never for a second actually imagined that they would get those diseases. Well, before vaccines, somebody was getting those diseases. It certainly could have been them, and, and uh, you just never never believe that. It's this myth of invulnerability. You, you assume that, that you and the, that, that your children are always going to be healthy, and so why, why do things to prevent things that are never going to happen? But they do happen. They're happening to somebody. So I think we tend to undervalue prevention greatly. Why do you think, Paul, that there is this controversy right now? And uh, some people call it the, the battle of the bulges. I'm not sure that, you know, the alternative folks think they have any bulge at all <laughs> going on in the world. And so why do you think now we're starting to see, you know, people coming to the table and saying, we want to get recognized, and I don't even like to use the word alternative because we've moved beyond it. We're talking about integrative and functional medicine, period. How do we bring these two these two two groups of people on different sides of the table? How do we bring them together in this conversation? Well, I think that that you know often one century's alternative medicine is the next century's mainstream medicine. I mean that you know digitalis or foxglove, which is you know a medicine that's used to strengthen the heart muscle, was considered an alternative medicine when it first came out. Obviously, it's part of mainstream medicine. You can argue that acupuncture has been drawn into mainstream medicine. I don't, and so I don't think that you know that that when one says that there are alternatives to, to Western-style medicine, 
that that's necessarily a bad thing at all. I just think that that, that you can't make it up. In other words, you can't say that, that I know that if I use, you know, St. John's wort, that this is going to get better without testing it. I mean, I think we shouldn't throw science out the window. We shouldn't throw the scientific method out the window. That if you feel that you have a therapy, like Laetril, for example, with, for treating cancer, was very popular in, in, the, in the 70s and to a lesser extent the 80s, it didn't work. And when it was studied, it was clearly shown not to work. And as better therapies got developed for various cancers, and, and there were people that still insisted on taking Laetril and thus putting themselves in a much more dangerous situation, I, I think that was a bad thing. So I, I do think, you know, you, just because it's alternative doesn't necessarily in any way mean that, it, that it's wrong. It just means, but it doesn't mean that it's above being tested. I think nothing should be above being studied or tested to see whether claims really are true. Yeah, Glenn, Paul, thank you so much for taking time out today and, and again, for um, shining the light of uh, awareness on, on such incredible accomplishments and, and for knowing that in today's world, it's so easy for us to blow by some of our past heroes, you know? Yes. What did you want to say to our listeners? What's your personal message for everyone? I guess my personal message is that um, I think that, that, um, that, that one would hope that we would become to some extent less cynical of a society. I think that, it's, that skepticism, questioning things, is a really good thing. But when you go over the line and then believe that, that there are people who are misrepresenting themselves and that they're only out to harm you and that that extends to, you know, to, to doctors and, and, and you know, public health officials and pharmaceuticals, everybody sort of gets thrown under the truck, I think that, that we don't serve ourselves well. I mean, the debate ends and, and the discussion ends, and it's just it's, uh, it's not to anybody's advantage. It doesn't, it doesn't serve us well. The cynicism doesn't serve us well. Well, I'll tell you, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Totally the time for a little optimism right here and right now. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. And uh, please let everyone know where they can get a copy of the book. Well, thank you, Pat. The book Vaccinated, One Man's Quest to Defeat the World's Deadliest Disease, is available pretty much in most bookstores. Amazon, uh, Amazon.com also has it, Barnes & Noble, but, and Book Borders, all, all those stores should have that book. All right. Thank you so much, Paul Offit. The book, as he said, Vaccinated One Man's Quest to Defeat the World's Deadliest Diseases. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for all that you're doing, and thank you for getting the message out there. Thank you, Pat. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be uh, joined by Jacqueline Wales. We've got a great conversation planned for you. Uh, let's just call it Breaking Through the 50s. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Cancer and stroke are now the greatest threats to life, but there's no need to suffer the side effects of pharmaceuticals or harmful treatments. Whether a patient does or does not wish to use traditional methods, there is a totally non-toxic alternative product, PolyMVA. PolyMVA has been effective with both stroke and cancer for over 10 years. To find out more, call 866-991-9942 or visit polymva.com. Take control of your health and wellness with the natural and modern way. Don't just treat symptoms, eliminate the cause. Hundreds of people report improved health and wellness using Rife Frequency Technology. BioSolutions is the most effective Rife instrument we've experienced. Customer satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. For more information, call BioSolutions toll-free at 866-885-6625. That's 866-885-6625. Hi. 
Contrary to popular belief, having a baby is not always a happy, glowing experience. Many women develop a variety of mood problems, most often depression. Thankfully, there are many options available to heal or prevent this debilitating condition. Dr. Shoshana Bennett is shining a light on postpartum depression right here on the Dr. Pat Show. So tune in and find out how to help someone you love. For more information about postpartum depression, visit postpartumdepressionhelp.com. Genesis Today, a world leader in 100% pure therapeutic juices with absolutely nothing added except pure goodness. Genesis Today harnesses thousands of years of ancient healing wisdom for your benefit. We don't sell products. We offer complete nutritional building programs which encourage health on all levels. Genesis Today, combining age-old tradition medicines with modern-day science. Visit us today at genesistoday.com. That's genesistoday.com. A good life is essential, and that's why I listen to HealthyLife.net. And for nutritional support for me and my family, my business goes to HealthyLife.net affiliate, GNC LiveWell. It's the trusted name in the vitamin and supplement industry. And that's essential when you're the one responsible for your good health and the well-being of your family. GNC LiveWell has a multitude of convenient locations near you and is always open on the Internet at GNC.com. GNC LiveWell, the name says it all. You choose programs you want, never anything you don't. The way radio should be. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show Talk Radio to Thrive by Jacqueline Wales is joining me today. And we're talking about many, many things today, but mostly what it's like being in that realm of turning 50, the fearless 50s. Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Pat. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, you've just come and, well, let me, how should I put it? You've decided that this is a topic, topic that people need to hear about, and there's a reason that there is such energy around turning 50 right now. Let me ask you this question. Why is this important right now, and how is turning 50 today different than when my mother turned 50? Well, I think we have to start with there's a whole different set of assumptions about what aging is all about at this point. I can certainly say from my experience, my being in my 50s is very different from where my mother was when she was in her 50s. Uh, you know, these are women who grew up after, during and after the war. So there was a whole lot of societal expectations on what that looked like. And we as the baby boomer generation, of course, we were the hippie generation. We were the ones who decided to break all the barriers and do things our own way. And I think that's very much a part of what we continue to do. As we age, we are redefining what that looks like. Let me ask you this, Jacqueline. When we look at what's happening and the number of people turning 50 right now, and um, what is it that sets this day and age apart? What What is it that has has required so many people, so many men and women, to be asking themselves, is this all there is? Well, I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that the search for meaning is really the biggest part of, of this. Um, we live in an age where there's so much uncertainty, and, and this is really why I called it the fearless 50s, frankly, because 
we live in a, in a society, we live in a world where fear really is dominant and we're fed so much of it. So this search for meaning, this search for some clarity about what, why are we here and what are we supposed to be doing with ourselves. So I think in this search for meaning, there's also a search for purpose and, and how, for many of us, how can we serve the world in which we live? I mean, we grew up in an age of idealism. And I think that idealism still exists to this day. When you take a look at the story that, that you've written, and, and you've just uh, you know, come off of, of writing the book, when the, when the Crow Sings, and we're looking at this particular novel, and we're looking at it as a real-life story, how has writing this book, first of all, in, made an impact on you and what you've come to appreciate around your heritage, and what do you hope people to to get from reading this book that will help them take their lives to the next level? Well, I wrote this book primarily because I wanted to make sense of my family history. Uh, I had three women in my family who had children born outside of wedlock. And as I was able to explore this story after my mother died through an aunt, um, I discovered that there was a pattern that had existed. And I wanted to know more about what that was because I was the third generation and I had actually given my daughter up for adoption when I was 20 years old and then had proceeded to have another child but he ended up being left with his father. So I was perpetuating the same stories that my grandmother and my mother had both gone through in different ways. And so I was really trying to make sense of it. But interestingly enough, as I wrote the story, it became a journey to understand who these women were from the point of view of being women, not my grandmother or my mother, because we tend to carry the stereotypes of what they're supposed to be. And when you can step outside of that and you can see them as people, then you start to see a whole different picture. And what I saw was these amazing women who made many, many mistakes in their life, and certainly their life was filled with tragedy as a result of it. But yet there was an enormous core strength that allowed them to keep walking and, and what I say show up to life every day. Uh, these are women, especially in my mother's case, who perhaps should have succumbed to alcoholism or mental disease as a result of the tragedies, but yet they didn't. They kept their heads above water and they kept going. And that for me was a tremendous example of my own fearless walk through life, which has had its own challenges and the strength that came from it. Because I'm a firm believer that even if we have a lot of tragedy in our life, if we use that to strengthen our character, if we use that experience to really motivate us towards the other side of that, then there are tremendous gifts available to us as, as women and as people. When you talk with so many women as you do, and men as well, but when you look at what's going on and the issue around midlife, Many people believe this is a time to get their desires and dreams out into the world. Other people believe that this is a time for me to kick back. I've been working so hard all my life. There isn't a one-size-fits-all for this, is there? No, there definitely isn't. There's as many colors to this as there is in the rainbow and beyond. Um, certainly for people who have worked hard all their life and they're looking forward to being in their late 50s, 60s and looking forward to having days when they can just get out of bed and decide to do nothing for a change. And yet there's people like me who woke up in her 54th year and said, I need something much more. I need to really get myself motivated 
towards the things that I've always dreamed of doing, the things that I have put off doing because I raised my family and for various reasons was not able to, to involve myself in it. So, yeah, I think that there are as many shades as, as can be in, in this whole picture. You know, you talk about in the book when the, when the crow sings, you talk about the struggles, about a family being caught up in shame, about in, being caught up in abuse and denial. And we look at these family secrets, and, um, and we look at how they embed in our bodies and, and really create toxicity in the family and the family system. Are we trying to break out of those patterns? Well, from my point of view, I hope so. I mean, we, we carry these secrets and lies and this burden, this tremendous burden from generation to generation. I saw it so clearly in my own family life. And in the conversations I have with other people, it shows up again and again. So getting out of that, breaking the, the bonds of that, if you like, is really, I think, critical towards a healthy life. And, and let's face it, that is exactly what uh, you and I support 100%. We want to be healthy both in mind and body and spirit uh, simply because we want to be able to live the full life. We want to be able to embrace all that it has to offer. You can't do that when you're carrying the garbage. Oh, my goodness. We call that crust on this show. Let's take a, let's take a short break. When we come back, Jacqueline uh, Wells is joining us today. Uh, the book is When the, when the Crows Sings. But beyond that, this is really a call for a bigger, a bigger action. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll talk about what it's like to enter the world of midlife dating and much more. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show. We'll be right back. Ready to put cancer behind you? Clarify your purpose in life after cancer. Learn new tools and take back your life. Rekindle your spirit and find support in peaceful Hawaii. Join the next retreat with Dr. Jean Actaberg at Coco Lulu's Cancer Aftercare Retreat Center on the island of Hawaii, July 15th through the 27th. Space is limited, so call now, 1-808-889-9893 or visit cancer-retreats.org. Aloha. The Empowerment Partnership, empowering the lives of thousands of people around the world just like you. Their mission is to empower you with an understanding of what makes you and others tick and to teach you the tools and techniques that will unlock your hidden gifts. The Empowerment Partnership, whatever you think you are, you're more than that. To learn more, call 1-800-800-MIND or go to NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show to receive a special discount. Experience the powerful connections between science, quantum physics, and spirituality at the Reconnections 2007 Mastery Conference in L.A., August 2nd through the 5th. The conference is perfect for anyone interested in healing and wellness with your host, Dr. Eric Pearl, and including speakers from What the Bleep and so many more. Call 888-ERIC-PEARL now and mention the Dr. Pat Show for a $60 discount. Visit www.thereconnection.com for more information or to register. Find out what's baffling the medical community. Tune in to the Dr. Pat Show to learn how a 76-year-old woman managed to look 25 years younger by drinking Ashitaba Green, the multifunctional organic whole plant food. What is Ashitaba Green? Why is it so widely used in Japan? How has it changed the lives of others? Meet organic Ashitaba grower Linda Hayano and find out how. 
Visit ashitabagreen.com or ashitababeauty.com. Water. In the hot summer sun, water is a natural thought, like relaxing at the beach with the waves lapping at your feet, or perhaps being with your significant other under a secluded, gently cascading waterfall. If you want a little more action, how about water skiing or boating on an icy, clear blue lake? With Expedia.com, everything you need for travel, flights, hotels, cruises, vacation packages, they have it all. At a price you can afford, go to HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Expedia.com. Pep it up with positive energy power right here on HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. My guest, Jacqueline Wales, is joining me today. We're talking about when the crow sings. This really is a story, a coming-of-age story, so to speak, and we think coming-of-age is only for young people uh, breaking through their teens, but it's not. This is a coming-of-age story for many people right now. As a matter of fact, uh, more than 6,000 American women turning 50 every day. And we're here with one of the experts in the field to talk to us about the, you know, the 70 million American women now over 40 and 6,000 turning every day. And, boy, what's that like to have to dive back into the dating game? And, and this is a reality for women. This is not just something we're sitting here making up. Yeah, and I think that this is, is really a critical issue because they've also proved that there are more women getting divorced in their 50s uh, than ever before. And a lot of that is women are suddenly, or not suddenly, but at least allowing themselves the freedom to say, I've had enough of this. I'm going out on my own. I'm going to do whatever pleases me at this stage of the game. And unfortunately, the dating scene out there for midlife women is tough. It's really tough. And a lot of them are going to the online dating services, which are very unsatisfactory for the most part. Uh, they tend to surf the net looking for Mr. Wright or Ms. Wright and, uh, or Mrs. Wright as the case tends to be these days. And it's, you know, it's tough. It's very tough because they're not finding that right person. And when they do date, they're finding that they're not the right people or people misrepresent themselves. So there's, a, there's all kinds of discomfort and stickiness with this whole situation of online dating. And I'm finding in my clients particularly that they're very unhappy with it. And after years of trying, they're kind of giving up at this point. And, and the question is that they're giving up and giving up and giving up and being a comfortable being in this place where, you know, they are pretty much by themselves. Or do you think women are finding uh, other ways to connect? Well, I think women will always connect with women. Uh, I mean, that's, that's definitely there. And there will always be communities where you can gather uh, that make the connections to other people, uh, depending on the size of the community you're living in. I live in New York City, and whilst there are many, many things going on in New York, uh, it can be isolating living here for single people, and that, that's a bit of a challenge for them. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of dating groups, but most of them tell me that they're not very happy with them. They don't meet the right kind of people. And then you get the other women who have reached this stage of life and maybe have been in a long-term relationship and are very happy not to have one around them. There's no more demands on their time, on their presence, shall we say. They're very happy to wake up in the morning and know that their time is their own and they don't have to answer to anybody for anything. 
And I have several women friends who fit that category who say, no, I can't be bothered, not interested. Uh, but then the other factor is, of course, that many midlife women are looking for companionship. They are faced with the idea of old age, shall we say, and we use that word with caution these days because they don't want to hear it. But uh, we're looking forward to, to that stage of life, perhaps with trepidation because we're going to be lonely and they don't want to be lonely. So they envision for themselves that their lives are not full enough to fill it up. And I think that is really a critical problem. Well, I, I love your website, and I want to make sure that everybody has the website. If you want to find out more, there's a lot to plug into here, including a newsletter by Jacqueline and, and also uh, information about the book and uh, a free nine-day course. So one of the things I want you to do is check it out. Go to the website, www.fearless50s.com. Fearless50s.com. I have to ask you a question. What got you started in this direction, Jacqueline? Well, I think, Pat, I've been asked that question so many times, and I really have to say my own experience of showing up to my fears. I grew up in a background that was, uh, you know, for want of a better word, dysfunctional to the max. I had an alcoholic father who was also physically abusive, and I grew up with very, very low self-esteem even though somewhere inside of me I knew there had to be something more. But I went through a great many mistakes uh, along the way, and I like to call it the, the, the kind of the rough tapestry of my life, shall we say. But, you know, I've done my thing with the drugs and alcohol addictions and, and the leaving of children behind and so forth. So there was a, a long background of stuff. Overcoming that was really major for me. And I thought, if I can overcome this, then I believe almost anyone can, frankly. And so I started to look at this as what is being fearless. And I realized that being fearless is not the lack of fear. It's the courage we show when we show up to it. It's, it's, the, it's not the absence of fear. It is truly what happens when you make the choices to confront it and go beyond it. And I've heard some of your guests on your show, Pat, and that is exactly where they come from. We all have to, to face it and move beyond it, make choices that are good and healthy for us. And this is the thing that's so interesting about what we're talking about, Jacqueline, because one of the things that I get from many of my listeners is that, yes, I'm at this stage, and I feel so powerless. I don't know how to make these kinds of decisions, but that's what you do. That's the way that you help people as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think that one of the things I talk about is I have this, program I created early in, in the creation of Fearless 50 is called the Passion Program. And the Passion Program is, is really seven steps to uh, creating uh, a background for yourself, the confidence in yourself. And the first step, of course, is to give yourself permission. We all need to give ourselves permission to take the first step. And after you've given yourself permission, you have to start taking action because nothing happens unless you do something. And then the next part of that is as you start finding that you're doing stuff and it's working for you, you develop your own strength. You start to tap into the strength that you always knew you had because, let's face it, women are much stronger than they think they are and tend to downplay their particular strengths. And then we have to find support, and that's exactly what you're talking about right now. If we don't find support for those changes that we're going through, many times we will fail. We will falter simply because we don't have the structure behind us or, or underneath us to hold us up while we're going through those challenges. Because it is a challenge. There's no question. It's not easy. And then after we start getting a sense of who we are and what we can do and we've got the 
support around us. We're looking for the inspiration to keep us going, and that's really important. And I think shows like yours are, are really essential to people going through change. And then once you start to develop the confidence, you start to own everything that you are becoming and everything that you are. And lastly, you have to nurture it. You have to learn how to take care of yourself. Even if it's simply something like going for a manicure or pedicure or having a massage, this is taking care of yourself. Even shutting yourself in a room with the door closed for an hour is taking care of yourself. And so this all adds up to passion. And this is where your passion comes in. If you have all of those steps, you have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And well, i got to tell you, I got a facial the other day myself, and boy, did that, did that work beyond my greatest imagination. You know, Jacqueline, uh, this is such a valuable conversation for so many people. I want to make sure everyone has the website, www.fearless50s.com. The book is When the Crow Sings, and there's um, information in that book through such an, an incredible story, in, and you get to go through multiple generations and see how life unfolds sometimes in ways that we want, sometimes in ways that we don't want, but eventually turn out to be incredible gifts. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll have our personal message from my guest today, Jacqueline Wells. We'll be right back. What does it take to feel young again? To be filled with vitality? To wake up feeling clear and refreshed? To live without allergies? More and more Americans are wondering if it's even possible. Founder of the Life Force Center in Los Angeles, Dr. Jeffrey McCombs, has been researching, developing, and refining a unique system that doctors and patients from around the world are saying offers them all of this and more. Visit LifeForcePlan.com or call 1-888-236-7600. 780. Let go of past trauma, fears, and negative beliefs. Attract exactly what you want in life and release the energetic blocks and imbalances which are keeping you from living the life of your dreams. Internationally known master clairvoyant and intuitive guide Carrie O'Connor has the unique ability to read your energy field and just like a tuning fork, raise your vibrational level so that you can attract what you truly desire in life. Visit CarrieOConnor.com for more information and for interview dates on the Dr. Pat Show. That's CarrieOConnor.com. Screen star Olivia Hussey and Susan Allen have founded Dog Save to provide neutering and spaying for the feral dog population near the Oneness University outside of Chennai, India. While this is a center of global enlightenment, the dogs are starving and multiplying without check. Please contact us at dog save at the divorce forum.com we are a 5013c corporation in california we're healthylife.net reaching and helping a worldwide audience without hype without shock and without shenanigans Welcome back, everyone. As I said before, amazing guest right now, Jacqueline Wells. Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining us today. What, what's the invitation? What do you want to invite people to participate in with you? Well, here's something very special for, for people listening. Um, I, on my website, I'm running a writing contest. And what it is is I'm inviting women to write me their stories of what it is to be fearless, what it is to show up to your fears, and how you get around it, how you don't get around it, but mostly about how you get through this. 
And then what I'm going to do with these essays is I'm going to put them into a published book, which will come out next spring. And the title at the moment is called Be Fearless, See Where It Gets You. And I, I feel very strong about this, that once we learn how to be fearless and learn how to take those risks, which is really respect your intentions and show courage, that's my acronym for risk, uh, then we start to live the life that we want to live. So this contest asks you to write me a thousand-word essay, and the winner of the contest gets to come to Bali in Indonesia next July, August, to spend two weeks at my five-star villa. All right. I am going to definitely let people know about this, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. This is fabulous. Remember, everyone, you have a life truly blessed. We'll see you next week here on The Dr. Pat Show. This is Jonathan Goldman. I'd like to invite you to join me on the second Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on Healthy Life Radio for the Healing Sound Show. We'll be resonating with different frequencies of light and love that will really make your day. The Healing Sound Show. Healing.